Welcome to the horological smorgasbord that is the Spending Time channel. We don't know what's on today's show. It could be an interview with a brand, an in-depth review of a watch, the introduction of a new podcast in the blog to watch universe, or something entirely unexpected. But like the horological genius Forrest Gump said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. So without further ado, let's open the lid on today's show. Enjoy! Well, we welcome... And it's been a year since we spoke to them on the show, and it was this time last year watching Wonders. We welcome Tarath and Christina from eBay. First of all, let's have you introduce yourselves. Tarath, say hello. Hey, how are you? And thanks for having me back at the show. You're more than welcome. It was obviously it's my show, Watching Wonders, so I'm glad to have invited you back. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, Christina, introduce yourself to everybody. Hi, good to be back. Good to see you all. I'm Christina Driggs. I head up the U.S. watch division at eBay. Excellent. And we're joined, obviously, by Ariel. How are you doing, Ariel? Good. I always love having these discussions with eBay so I can poke around for juicy, juicy data. <laughs> love it. Looking for a bargain. Yeah, they don't own any inventory. That's the problem. Well, yes. yes you can really true. schmooze eBay and still not get a good deal on the watch. They'll let you know first, like, this is available now. You better buy it. But you're going to find like things that you'll get. never find elsewhere sometimes. Especially Rolexes nowadays, right? There we go. That's true. I think that eBay continues to have the most impressive selection of watches uh, anywhere on the planet. Uh, I know you can't state those numbers, but I'm pretty sure that you have the, 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 the biggest assortment. But you've also added a lot of things in the last year. Part of going to the show is telling brands, here's what we're doing new. So when you're meeting with the watch brands and the retailers, what are some of the things that you're telling them that are now available on eBay? No, absolutely. Like, look, a lot has changed since last year when we were at Watch and Wonders. The conversations with the brands have has even changed. And for us, it's really about building relationship with the brands. To really think about eBay and the 135 million active global buyers we have, and the strong demand markets of US, UK, and Germany, uh, we are now a global luxury team, and that's a big change uh, since last year, right? We're really going after uh, at this globally, not just in, in the US alone. And with the brand conversations, I think with the, and the data we have to reach that next generation of consumers, that's what we're having that conversation about. Uh, and and, and our, we're in a position, and we want to be in a, even in a deeper position on helping the brands really reach that next generation of consumers, find new ways to cater with them, and we made major strides in the last year. One of the big innovations we've launched and, and, and we're accelerating now this year is live shopping. And what I mean by that is uh, imagine a world where brands can tell their own story, bring a lot of stuff you're seeing at the watch and wonders, like the physical stuff you're seeing and the storytelling elements and, and, and all the brand uh, elements uh, here into a 45 minutes hour live shopping where people can comment, ask questions like, even shop the product, whether it's through auctions or just buy now. And so that's really exciting and a, and a new innovation. So yeah, for us, our, our number one goal is to keep finding ways where we can help brands and, and build deeper relationships. Well, that's one thing that's changed since last year. Uh, this time last year, the big news was authentication in the USA. That has obviously rolled out right. to a lot further territory. Correct. So where is that up to just now? Absolutely. Look, authenticity guarantee is now also in Germany as well as the UK, uh, and uh, we fully ramped those programs. I think last year we were just in ramp phase, uh, but it's fully available on watches again above 2,000 in, in, in those countries too. Uh, and so we're really excited about the growth that we've had in those countries and just constantly furthering supply as well. So we're, we've also brought in a lot more supply. To Ariel's point earlier, we believe we have one of the largest global supply in watches. Uh, coming from not only consumers' classes, but from many authorized retailers, as well as businesses that are reselling uh, and allowing them to reach uh, those eyeballs that we spoke to earlier. And you may or may not be able to talk to this, but have you seen a change in the market since the authenticity guarantee has come in? Like, can you actually track? Yes, we can. From, yeah, there was this much of an issue and now it's just gone so I'll, right down. So I'll chime in here. So another thing that's happened since we were here a year ago is we launched in jewelry. We now have a collaboration with GIA and they authenticate jewelry for us. And we do see people are willing to invest more in these luxury pieces knowing that they are authenticated. They feel confident in these brands that they're, they're purchasing, whether it be a watch, handbag, or a jewelry item, now that it goes to authentication. So the expansion through the luxury world has, uh, has been one of the many additions that we've done since the show last year. Um, I've noticed that we've had a much warmer reception from the brands because they appreciate that we are helping their secondary 
market sales um, because of authentication and, and driving those price points up for them. Um, but we also um, were the founding sponsors of the Reluxury Show here in Geneva. And I think that really changed the tide for the perception of what we're doing and the investment that we're making within the luxury space. Us being here with the luxury brands that showed up at that show um, and presenting a very elevated experience. Geneva and the world had seen nothing like that. And we were just so happy to be a part of that. I'm really curious about live shopping. Uh, you've mentioned this a few times. And when I hear live shopping, what I think about is on television where there was uh, an experience where they were talking about a product and then you could call in and buy right. it. What does that translate to online and with eBay exactly? So this is like a program people are watching. It's actually, yeah, it's, it's a program and storytelling, but what they're doing is they're talking about not only uh, who they are as a retailer or a store or a seller or a brand, but they're also selling products in real time. So as you shop, the product pops up in the stream right on the bottom. So if it's an auction, we, we have, of course, time-limited auctions, so you bid real time. Uh, and it's almost like bringing the Sotheby's Christie's type auction model right to, to video. Or you might have a buy now price where you're buying that handbag or that watch or piece of jewelry right then. So that's, that's how it works. This is something very new. This isn't something that a lot of people necessarily associate as being part of the eBay experience. Right. Uh, you know, how exactly you're rolling this out? There seems to be so much that you can do with this because as we know, these brands are accustomed to sitting down, telling a story to sell their watches. So this seems right up their alley. It does, look, I mean, right now we've started uh, with uh, several different events. I think we've done probably about 50 or so events, but our game plan is to really scale that up in the luxury world. And, and you'll see as the year progresses, uh, you'll see a lot more events happening on a daily basis. And we're really excited about that. So, so is this the first within the eBay world to do this? Or has this been idea come from a different sector within eBay that you have adapted for watches and Yeah, jewelry. so we have a really great innovation area where, where luxury is a, is a, is a core uh, uh, enabler of, uh, so it's not only for us in luxury, but if you think about it, we're doing this in collectibles, the luxury categories, as well as sneakers. Uh, and, and we love the areas that have strong, enthusiastic communities, right? When you have a strong community that gets together and, and has a shared interest that can have conversations during live streams, and you have the potential brand, retailer, or seller on the other end that's able to conversate with their audiences in real time. It just makes it so much fun. So yeah, we're doing it in those strong, enthusiast-driven categories, and those are like the core ones we've started with so far. So we're at Watches and Wonders. Yeah. What have you seen so far in both watches and wonders? I mean, look, I mean, we're always going to talk about Rolex, but I think what Rolex has launched this year that's, that's different than most year is these amazing designs around these colors. And my, one of my favorites was the emoji watch, right? This little puzzle piece with an emoji that came together. It's just so different for Rolex, right, than what they've done in the previous years and their launches. So I think that's a really cool watch. I think it's a cool watch that speaks to that younger generation. And, and, and it's just some, it looks like a fun piece to wear. Definitely going to try to get one, and we'll see where I find it. <laughs> it's going to be a hard one to get, I'm sure. I wouldn't say you wear that. that yeah. would, I think you could you know, wear it really well. What's your favorite one, Christina? Um, I have not had a chance to see a lot of them, but I did like the Rolex Perpetual 1908. I thought that was a direction a lot of people were asking Rolex to go in, and I think they did it really well. Um, I love it. I like the design elements of it, so I would pick one up. I would wear it. Now, the watch brands are always trying to produce things that are on trend. They want to sell things that consumers want right now, and eBay knows uh, what people are buying right now. Are you seeing brands coinciding with the trends that you're seeing? Are they making the, the dial colors and the materials and the sizes that you believe are selling? Or do you have some special information that they'd like to know? What Ariel means is, is there been an uptake in jigsaws being sold on eBay? <laughs> and that's what Rolex have seen and been inspired by. <laughs> I, you know, I think we would be happy to partner with them. To <laughs> we, we would love to sit down with them and show them the data points that we have to help them influence their, their watches. I think that would be a, a, a fun experiment for us. I, I think what we're uh, what we can talk about is we're seeing some certain brands that are, that are popular. So we've seen some of the smaller brands grow in popularity. So I think that the the audience is more diversified in what they want. So you're asking for trends, and we're actually, we're seeing it fragment, and I think that's exciting. I think that it's cool that there's a chance for people to find independent brands, smaller brands, or some of the um, the other big brands kind of grow in people's awareness. So we see that people are, are purchasing uh, not just their, their Rolexes, which is a huge part of our business, um, 
Omega's been really strong. Uh, Moonswatch certainly helped with that. Um, there's been a, a, a large amount of those resold on eBay, but we're, we're finding uh, many of the other brands here at the show are performing uh, much better than they used to on eBay. And that's a testament, I believe, and again, is a hypothesis that just so hard to A, get a Rolex or a Patek or a AP. And I think people are starting to turn to other brands and, and really start learning about new stories and getting into those brand families. And that's exciting to see because I think uh, there's a lot of great brands here. They have a lot of great stories to tell. And they also have some exciting launches. And it's kind of cool to see that more and more people are starting to buy into other brands outside of Rolex, Patek, AP. I'll speak to the data point a little bit more. It's actually challenging to see in our huge sea of data some of these wider trends because we go back through the catalog of time. We are the time capsule of the world. If you want to look for a really rare watch, it's on eBay. So we have a lot of vintage pieces. So, you know, not all of that's going to influence what a brand would necessarily want. It's like it, it's actually interesting to see what is going on with the variety of um, collectors out there. I, I think that that point is interesting, but it's sometimes hard to find those, you know, little sound bites that I can give you of here's that one thing that's doing really well when there's, we, we, we attract all of the different customers. And they all want a little bit of everything. The reason I bring it up is that, you know, brands, when it comes to product planning, have to ask themselves, like, what do we want to make? And they tend to think, what's trendy? And that results in brands doing a lot of the same, right? Like, it's no accident that there's a lot of blue and a lot of green from brands. Like, yeah. there's a lot of these trends. And they don't always know what actually sells. They only know what their colleagues and competitors are doing. And I always wonder if that's the right way of doing things, right? Because it always questions, what do we make to s that will sell next year? Yeah, and you know, like actually speaking to the historical catalog, that could be interesting for them as they're doing these relaunches. So that's that's a, that's a point I hadn't even thought about. They always mention eBay. All their vintage pieces, they buy and research on eBay. Buy and sell, but it's kind of great. And this is one of the things when we've had conversation with brands at the show is like, look, we have unique data and data that can help you. Let's just take the U.S. market for a second. It's, it's a very diverse market. The person that's in Florida shops very differently in New York or mm -hmm. California or the middle America. And we know and can dissect that consumer segmentation data and understand those tastes. Like search. Search is very powerful. We can tell like who is searching for what product and from what region of that. And this is information that, you know, the brands don't get access to, especially large data sets. It's not a small data set. And that could potentially, to Ariel's point, help them on trends. So again, this conversation we're having with brands, a lot of that is around this, right? Yeah. I was with a brand last night who shall remain nameless other than to say that they had a waterfall on their stand. And there was a very long and detailed conversation about their exploration of eBay, along with one of the members of their blog to watch team, both pouring over a listing on eBay and wondering just how authentic it was. Unfortunately, it was underneath the authenticity guarantee, so it wasn't going to, but uh, the historian who was involved identified that no, this probably wasn't a genuine watch and it was removed. So it just shows you that the brands do pay attention to what's going on with yourselves and do obviously engage in quite a lot and of they, And they use authenticity guarantee. I hear a lot of them wondering, mm -hmm. how did they do it? They say, Ariel, <laughs> is it real? Do they check every one? I'm like, yeah, they, they do. And we it's do. actually really fast. In fact, I remember you telling me the story that it was too fast, right? <laughs> like it, it, it is fast, but it's like done in a meticulous way. We will never let anything go if we haven't gotten an end-to-end -end check the way yeah. we want. And watches that are 1000 to $2,000 in the U.S. market, you can have, pay $80 to have it go through authenticity guarantee. And we're seeing a great uptick of that as well. And we work very closely. We have programs like with Vero and others where if brands want to submit or let us know if, if, if something should be removed, we, we want to abide by that and we, re and we remove that. Again, our number one goal is to create a very clean, transparent marketplace and keep, keep doing that over and over again. And that's better done in conjunction with the brand versus without the brand. So Cooperating with the Did brand is always smart. But none of you guys fell into that little waterfall, right? No, nobody's <laughs> fallen into the waterfall. It's a great... Cause it looks like you just can walk right in and just trip over and fall eventually. <laughs> oh, like it's an accident? That's gotta yeah, happen. It, that would be hilarious. Well, they're, amazed, they're amazed, but they have these, I guess we'll call it artwork on the floor but you keep tripping in it. So like, really? there's actually okay. people full-time at their maze that just put it back into place because people keep kicking these things. They're experimenting. Yeah. Oh, yes. the memories. Yes. I'm sure that you'll keep with you. How when, fun. We, we missed the, that these one. These are the jokes that 
will remember like in years <laughs> well, to come. Well, I know I've been like, in like a certain <laughs> meetings rooms and there's one booth that like looks like the whole room shakes when your music turns on every hour. It and does like shake. An earthquake. Yeah, we're not you next to them this year. Right, we, <laughs> we don't have the joy of the... That one was a fun one. But yeah, I, that's that's the cool thing about the show, right? You're going to be old one day, we're going to look back and you'll, you'll have all these little things to talk about. Hopefully we'll remember some watches too. Yes. <laughs> one little yes. tip I'll give is we see um, collaborations doing really well on eBay, limited editions. Those are what you'll typically see performing well or, or why people think first to come to eBay. Um, a lot of the releases that came out last year, like the Sprite's really you know popular now. It takes a while for it to circle through. We're the secondary market, so you're not going to see it instantaneously on eBay. You'll have to wait for it. So before I ask my final question about Moonswatch, because I have a Moonswatch question, I want to know what else you're looking forward to at Watch and Wonders, a stand you've still to visit that you're looking forward to perhaps, or a watch you've heard about that you've yet to see? No, I mean, one of the, I look, I think there's a great innovation area at the show too, which has been pretty interesting. Yeah, we can talk about the watch brands and stuff. And it was kind of interesting to see a company here called Inquiries that's really focused on lost and stolen watches. Right, and to be frank with you, like there's a lot of theft and lost and stolen fraud that happens in the industry around just theft in the industry, right? And you saw many articles about like recent thefts around the world. And so when those items are going back in the market, we take it very seriously at eBay. But having seen now at a show, organ companies with uh, brands and groups backing such a solution to make sure the consumer is getting full end-to-end transparency and openness to partner around those type of solutions with organizations like eBay and other online players, that's great. And I, I think that just creates more and more of a transparent mission uh, in, in, in the market. So that was something very interesting that I would say we took away. I don't know, Christine, anything? So I don't have Sophie here to be the French translator, so I'm going to try but <laughs> my best. I like the carré section, the, oh, okay. the independent area. I, I really gravitate to that section because I am an oddball and I want to see something different. So, you know, we're very familiar with a lot of the traditional styles out there, the safe releases that we've been talking about. And that's the area where you're going to see them really experiment. So I, I like seeing the designs there and being introduced to a lot of the brands um, I, I haven't even heard about. Um, so one that really stands out was Beauregard. Beauregard. I'm You're trying, <laughs> try, I'm trying, trying to be Sophie here since yes. she's not here. I wonder if Ariel can say the name. <laughs> Me? I just say Beauregard. <laughs> okay, there you go. So I, I chatted with them and it was really great to to hear them talk about the process of creating their dials. So they take these gemstones and they uh, will polish them. And they, they said that they need new equipment. And I said, you can buy equipment on eBay. So I've been to some of the independent watchmakers who said that they've um, shopped on eBay for their equipment and saved a lot of money by doing so. And he said, yes, we've looked on eBay. But what I did find was this rare white jade that you can't get anywhere in the world. And I got it at an amazing discount. And he used that on his dials. So I thought that was a really cool story where eBay is part of this industry and it has been for a very long time and people are incorporating it into the watch materials that they sourced it on ebay so i thought that was a really fun fun story um i just want him to sell the watch now on ebay so that we can pull it full <laughs> circle so i'm hoping that we can get beauregard or, or i have i have one if more one of you has one well, out I, there I, listed I, on ebay right now I'd i love thought one. you were going to say you were going to be rocking a rebellion timepiece by the end of the show uh, hey. I thought that would be ready to go. Actually, you should have this thing where, like, a campaign found on eBay, you know, like some rare thing that yeah. goes into luxury. We're going to launch it on a blog to watch, right? So, hey, we're so open to ideas, so keep sending them. <laughs> My question has to do with the, the, the term, which has been on a lot of people's uh, lips the last year, which is pre-owned. And in the last year since we chatted, Rolex had made this, you know, really big announcement that oh, yeah. you can buy a certified pre-owned CPO, as they call it, Rolex, um, from the dealers. And actually, it's not that it's not that difficult for Rolex. The watch, the the, the, the retailers themselves are actually doing the check. Um, but you know, eBay has been the epicenter of where you're supposed to not only buy but sell pre-owned watches. How has that larger conversation, the normalization of pre-owned in the industry, um, affected, probably in positive ways, not only your business, but the conversations that you're having right. with these entities? Yeah, look, first and foremost, I think it's really amazing that they did that. I know not only them, but Audemars Piguet is, 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 is moving into that direction as well, and other brands. And I think it's like no different than a car model. 
The industry of BMWs, Lexus, Mercedes, Porsche, they've all taken control of certified pre-owned with multi-endpoint inspections. It's kind of great that the brands are getting into this and really recognizing that. And if you look at some one other data point from eBay, we looked at the last 12 months, 80% of Gen Z consumers bought pre-owned, not new. And we're seeing that accelerate and accelerate at a really fast pace in the last three years. So that is the direction the market's going. They really t believe in the sustainability message. That I want to buy something that's not just built and potential creating waste and, and what, how, what, how does it impact carbon footprint. And we know pre-owned, you're just recycling the market. So I'm glad that brands are starting to recognize that and play on that messaging. And like eBay is a great place for building strong partnerships and relationships around this for with the brands, right, eventually. So yeah, it's, it's good for the overall industry and good for the next generation consumers as well as the world and environment we live in. So we showed these brands how to do it. We were the originators of the pre-owned market and they saw how successful it was and wanted a piece of it. So I think we laid the groundwork for them to launch these programs. Um, and we are happy to work with these brands to extend it to our platform. We are a place where they can amplify it. We have that digital customer. I know that uh, Rolex is doing this within retail stores. That's not going to reach all of the customers. And I'm not saying Rolex is <laughs> you know, going to be the first one knocking on our doors, but there's a lot of brands that could explore this program through eBay um, and it will help them to increase the pace of launching a certified pre-owned program. Well, thank you, Tiroth and Christina from eBay. Uh, you are a real fixture of the industry, so it's important that we get your take on the show. And I look forward to our next conversation at the next luxury event where there will be beautiful watches and, of course, eBay. No, thank you. Thank you for having well, us. I, I have one final yeah, go for Moonswatch, I want to know what happens when a $200 Moonswatch sells for $2,000 and therefore falls within the authenticity guarantee of eBay and whether you've had any phone calls from watchmakers going, why am I looking at a plastic watch with a battery in the back of it? <laughs> yeah, Stoll has mentioned that they got a few of those. I think that they chuckled. No, but like frankly, yeah. Harder to Look, check if they're real or not, I guess. I mean, no, yeah, but we verify it with, with uh, different things against the listing to make sure there's full transparency. And we have what we call the eBay Money Back Guarantee Program. So if anytime anything goes wrong, uh, you're more than happy to reach out. We have a dedicated customer service team for watches, and, and we're here to help. Excellent. Did, I have one comment to make uh -huh. on that. Moon's Watch is not the only expensive swatch you can buy on eBay. Mm -hmm. So I was curious about this myself and, and did a, uh, a search, and I sorted by high to low. And some of the vintage swatch pieces go, I've seen it for up to $80,000. Right. I think there's one live right now for 20000 And this is from the 80s. Uh -huh. So That's that cool. kind of inventory is going to go through stall as well, which mm -hmm. is just fascinating. Yeah. Good stuff. And well, amazing. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of the show. See you in 2024, if not sooner. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. See ya. Welcome to Watchlist, the show where we can create as many lists as we like in the confident knowledge that Ariel will never listen because we all know how he hates lists. I'm Christy. And I'm Jack. And we felt that Ariel has been leaving a gap in the market because of his aversion to lists. Whilst we may not be able to tell you the ins and outs of an Omega Speedmaster 38 coaxial chronometer chronograph, we certainly have opinions about it. Side note, the dial is a little small for us. This week, we thought we'd keep the whole concept very simple and compile our top five watch list that literally only tell the time. That could mean to you that it's complication free, but we are including a second hand or allowing a second hand, which by some would be defined as a complication, but we're allowing that. So how is this going to work? I hear you all ask. Well, we are each going to bring three watches to present to the other. And at the end of the show, we'll pick our top five and we'll ditch one of our watches, which shall be relegated to the land of the listless where Ariel resides. Sorry, Ariel. Yeah, sorry, Ariel. We love Ariel. So let's start with our first list. So the first watch that I am suggesting, which only tells the time, is the IWC Big Pilots Watch 43mm, and this is the Top Gun edition. And you know what that means? Tom Cruise has worn it. Well, I don't think he's worn this particular one. If he has, I'm definitely buying it. But it says Top Gun on it. It's a very plain and simple watch. It's a black dial. 
black case, black strap, white hands, white numbers, white text for IWC, but in little red letters, it says Top Gun. I mean, how cool is that? It's like I'm basically in the movie if I have that watch. Here's a little question. Okay. If it didn't say Top Gun, would you still like it? Uh, now you see, that's not fair, because it does say Top Gun. And on the back, it says Top Gun again. I mean, on the back... Oh, well, then it's fine. I, I sort of feel like on the back, it should somehow, if I keep wearing it, kind of put this sort of tattoo within me of that says Top yeah, like Gun with the wings. Yeah. It's great. Brilliant movies. So, okay. maybe Tom's going to hear this. He's going to buy me one. He's going to send it to me. We're going to be best friends. It's wonderful. I love that for you. Well, except, actually, if we reflect on that a little, being best friends with Tom Cruise and Top Gun movies doesn't always work out so well for you. <laughs> Major spoiler! Well, I've not said who. I mean, at this point, if you haven't seen a film from the 1980s, I think there's no hope. But anyway, carry on. So, my first watch that just tells the time is a Patek Philippe Calatrava skeleton watch, the 5181R. Which, the more I look at it, the less I actually like. Wow. But here we are anyway. So, obviously, it's a skeleton. It's rose gold. It's quite small. It's only 39 millimeters. It's not tiny. Is, it's not tiny, but it's smaller than I would I would like. I, th- I think, I just, I picked it because it tells the time, but it's not just like, boom, here's a random watch and stick some hands on it and there's your time. It's like, actually, you can see, like, the inner workings of this. I think the indices are quite cool because they look like part of the structure and actually they're telling you something too. Yeah. There's no second hand either. No, this isn't even a second. So for all you fussy horologists out there, (laughs) this one's for you. Because if you're a fussy horologist, this is the show you're going to listen to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a nice watch. Well, okay, I'll clarify. It's dainty. It feels like it's a watch that an older lady is going to wear well maybe actually not an older lady because your granny's gonna be a bit confused by that is she not yeah true it will take you need good eyesight i think mm-hmm. it is pretty the bracelet is very looks very delicate so there you go that's just yeah something that looks a bit different than just your bang average telling the time so watch. if if i'm buying you one you're not wearing it probably not okay that's fair i'll try it on and be like oh yeah there you go but that's as far as I, I think this is one of these watches that you can acknowledge the skill in the making of it and that you, you know a skeletonized watch is always by sure definition impressive but not always mm-hmm. lovely and I think that fits this bill lovely. this fits that bill that fits this, this fits bill. the bill you doing alright over there? <laughs> there's a bill and it fits something <laughs> my second watch is from a brand that I didn't used to like, but now really do like, and it's H, Moser, and C. This is the Pioneer Center Seconds. It is a 40 millimeter dial, and my favorite color is the Arctic Blue Fumé dial. I just think the blue is gorgeous. The one that we're looking at currently actually has a rubber strap, which I feel is a little wrong for it. I feel like a, a stainless steel bracelet would be far more appropriate because it has a stainless steel case but it's a very simple dial in that it just has markers as indices like it doesn't have uh, numbers it doesn't have roman numerals it's just quite simple i mean i love the h moser and c logo and i think it's just classy i think for me the rubber strap really lets it down otherwise i would maybe be okay with it (laughs) you look so (laughs) unconvinced otherwise i would maybe be okay with it Christy's not on board, people. Yeah, high praise for me. I just, for me, a rubber strap seems really cheap and tacky. And for those who are maybe more my age or have children younger than me, it makes me think of Ben 10. Oh. Who had a watch. Yeah. He was actually known for his watch. And just a rubber strap always makes me think of him. And that, you know, that doesn't scream luxury at me. No, that's not high praise for a Moser. But the dial is fine. Yes. And it only tells the time. It does only tell the time. So I would wear it once again. Yeah, that's something I want to speak to you about because both the IWC mm-hmm. and H. Moser and C, yeah. for what I know of your taste in watches, feel very different. Yes. But yet you would wear both of them? I should clarify this. If someone else was shopping for me and buying these, 
I would happily wear them, you know, on rotation. If I had a drawer full, these are not the first watches I would go and buy if I had money thrown at me for watch purchasing. But they don't offend me at all and I think I could get some enjoyment out of them because I think, you know, come on, it's Top Gun watch and it's a Moser watch. Like, these are just, they feel like a nice part of an overall watch drawer situation. Nice, I'm here for the watch drawer. Yeah, I mean, I don't have one yet. Yet is the keyword. Yeah. Nice. My second watch is the Jacques Edreau Grand Second Off-Centred watch, which I actually really like. It's got a black dial, which just makes me happy. It's rose gold and black jade. Very minimalist. It has basically a dial for hours and a dial for minutes that aren't where you would expect them to be. I mean, they're on the watch. I was going to say, they aren't where you'd expect them to be. Where are these things? (laughs) Hopefully on the face of the watch. They are on the face. (laughs) They look like they're subdials. Yeah, it's basically just like two mini watches on one. It's like the subdials are the main dials. Uh Uh-huh. I just thought it was kind of nice. It was a little different. It's something that I would wear. Yeah. But I think anything with a black dial, I would wear. It is very you. The combination of the black dial and the gold bezel and case just looks very like something you would wear. I do query the crown at the four o'clock position. This is my only issue. The the crown is at four o'clock and I think that might be the thing that tips me over the edge. I sort of want to like twist the bezel like it's a unidirectional bezel that I want to kind of go whooshed. But that's not really going to work. I think that is the point, but it is kind of a wee bit squint. Can I confess something? Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, this is my clear lack of culture and ability to speak many languages, and I don't want to offend anyone in the process of saying this. However, when I read this, all I can see is the Jackie Drew Grande Seconde, <laughs> which is a very yeah, so- classless way to say the name of the watch, but now all I can think about is the Grande Seconde. Grande Seconde. Well, there you go. Quite like it's a Grande though. Seconde watch. The, the name or the watch? The watch. Okay. It's expensive. Yes, it's well. I found it for eighteen thousand pounds. Yeah, well, it's more like nineteen thousand pounds. It's suggesting the RRP is twenty one thousand pounds. You're saving twelve percent. It's a bargain. If I had kind of money, that kind of money for a watch, I would maybe consider getting this. Oh, no, okay. I wouldn't. That's a lie. <laughs> I thought about it for a minute and then realized I changed wouldn't. your mind. Yeah, but I still, I still like it as a watch, and I think it tells the time. It's very simple. It's very minimalist. But it looks a little different. It kind of looks like a squint snowman running up a hill. And you would certainly wear it. I really would. There you go. So my third watch is an Hublot. And I'm really shocked that I am suggesting an Hublot as a watch that I would wear. But I really like this watch. I did not used to like Hublots at all. Any of them. I was very dismissive and borderline rude about the brand. (laughs) but I really really love a lot of them now and this watch is the classic Fusion Orlinsky titanium white 40 millimeters which is my only potential frustration with it I feel the dial is maybe a little small I probably would prefer 42 or 43 but this is just really really pretty I would definitely wear one I would definitely consider buying one The bracelet is different because it has this sort of three-dimensional thing going on. The dial is also different because it just looks so... It just just looks like a piece of art. And obviously it's to, you know, it's been designed around Richard Erlinski, who is in fact an artist, and that's why it looks so arty. I just I really like this. It's really nice, isn't it? This is my favourite of the ones that you've suggested. And I think this for me is one that I can absolutely see you wearing. I think it's really classy clean crisp all the good things it's a great watch so you know if you would like to send me one and make it a little bigger and make it a little bit i mean i don't think they're going to do that for me and i and i'm willing to tolerate it smaller if they're just sending it to me i would say that they could just dm me but i don't do social media so they'd need to dm you yeah or dm a blog to watch underscore david seeing as he's the center of our world like are we making him our secretary (laughs) or something (laughs) i'm sure he'll be delighted yeah go through him Well, I really like that suggestion. I'm glad. Thanks for sharing. Finally, I got there. I'm going to take us off in a different direction. Okay. I don't think you're going to be pleased with this. My next one 
is an urwerk. Okay. It's the URCC1 King Cobra Linear Time Watch. And I don't really geek out about watches. I, like, the inner movements and all how it's put together is not my cup of tea. I'm not there for that. Unless it's an urwerk. And I will geek out forever about these. And I think, so they have, like, lots of, like, satellite movements and stuff that I just find amazing. But there's this one that looks super complicated, but in fact only tells the time. So you've got two like linear dials, one that just shows hours, one that shows minutes, which are based on like retro car speedometers to give you the kind of vibe. However, it's the way they've done the seconds that excites me to my core. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Honestly, I can't even begin to explain how much I love this. So I don't even know how to explain it. It's like a circle situation. It's like a circle situation. (laughs) With like a window that as the circle rotates, obviously, like goes through all the numbers of the seconds. But it has the window that will show you the seconds just as numbers on the dial as it's rotating. But also on the same circle, it has a spiral that will like go along a linear like indication that will, as it spirals in, will also go through the seconds and show you it that way. And I think that's, it's, it feels very simple, but actually it's just quite cool. Well, it actually looks like a car dashboard, like an old fashioned retro car dash. All in like gunmetal and... Yeah, but just the way that, because, you know, that's how speedometers and things on cars historically mm-hmm. were not in, were not circular. They, were, they used to be linear. I find it more shocking that that watch actually only tells the time because it looks like there should be a lot of information on it because it's made it incredibly complicated. But you're right, as a feat of engineering, that is crazy. And I haven't even mentioned the back of the watch yet because there's more there. Again, just telling the time. Like, it's just kind of doubling up on what's at the front. But I, like, I just think... I would I would never want to wear this. I'm quite happy never owning one, but I love it. And I think it's not just it's their Urwerk aren't thinking we need to make a cool watch. Let's put the time on it and then like what crazy things can we do? It's like how can we tell the time and make it super interesting? And I'm here for that. I have a lot of respect for what they're doing even if I think it's a bit gross. Yeah. See, to be honest, though, I have a feeling, whilst because the crown is in an ugly position, I don't really like that, but I have a feeling you have gone on such an Urwerk journey, generally, we've had, talked about this quite a lot, that actually, if you saw one and held one, you might actually end up with the, having a bit of a soft spot for it. And it's one of yeah, those Yeah, I'm things. troubled by that. Well, except... I don't want to buy one. I, I never want to own one. You don't want to end up liking them, except I think it would... I think the fact that you can even appreciate them is demonstrating your personal growth we talk about this all the time (laughs) yeah i just i i had to do a lot of research into them and just i really liked the way they went about things Mm -hmm. the more you understand about something the more you can appreciate how it's been made it does change things for sure yeah so i'm a big work fan well i can appreciate that so we've now got six watches one needs to to make it five yes we do and one needs to go, be- well, into the Ariel land, as we've described, called it, the land of the listless. I feel like it's going to end up being one of my watches because there were more of my watches you didn't like. Well, I think if I was going to put one of mine in there, it would be my Patek. Because mm-hmm. the only cool thing about it is that it's a skeleton and actually neither of us would want to wear it. No. I don't think it's that interesting. It's all right. Yeah. I willingly, I think my Moser out of mine would be the one... Oh, you're looking at me. Would you prefer to ditch my IWC? No. I, I, don't, I don't really have strong opinions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I just don't like either of them. Okay. Actually, I would probably take the IWC. Okay, so between the Moser and the Patek Philippe, I'm willing to surrender my Moser. Your Patek Philippe is certainly a work of art. Okay, I'm fine with that. <laughs> okay, so no Moser, and we have five to put in order. Number one, it feels like should be the Urwerk because... Please. It's phenomenal. I, I think even if like we don't actually like it, it's just done telling the time super, super well. And I think it just needs to go top. Okay. So that's an easy number one. Number five, the Patek or the IWC? I, ooh, I, I'm torn, but I think Patek. Okay. So that means that number four is the IWC. And 
Yes. Three. Which is only there because it says Top Gun on it. Okay. <laughs> the Tom the Tom Cruise factor. So in number two, we would put surely my Ublo. No. I actually want to put the Jack Hedro. Oh. Because it's it's you would wear simple. It. I would wear it, but I, I think yours is kind of an all rounder. It's it feels more expensive. So Jackie Drow and then the Ublo? Yeah, and then her work. Okay. So Oh, hold on. I think we're confused about who's saying what's in three and what's in two. I thought you would want three as the Ublo and two as the... No, other way around. Okay. In fifth place, we've got the Patek Philippe, the gold skeleton watch. Did all right. There was just a lot that could have been better. That feels a little harsh. Okay. <laughs> in at number four is the IWC Big Pilots watch, 43 mil Top Gun edition. Sorry, Tom. In third place, we have the Jack Hedro Grande Seconde, off-centred, 43mm watch. I'm sorry, Jack Hedro. Or to anyone who owns it and now can't think of the name just being Grande Seconde. Yeah. Grand Seconde. Grand Seconde. In at number two, the Hublot Orlinsky bracelet, titanium white. And in its rightful place, at the top of the list, in first place, we have the Urwerk URCC1 King cobra linear time watch just a piece of art on your wrist next time we are going to compile a list of watches that made us wish we'd stopped at the sundial and on that very odd topic (laughs) but i think well we're gonna struggle to actually find only three things each yeah there's so many things that make me wish that watches just didn't exist and i am perturbed at how people are just able to put things together and say it's a watch yeah our our, our lists are different (laughs) No one's here to rein us in, so we can just do whatever we want. And we say bring back the sundial. And on that note, goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Well, we welcome to the show all the way from Dubai, which is much sunnier today than it is where I am in Scotland, Remy Julia from Christie's. Remy, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, everyone, and thank you for welcoming me. My name is Remy Julia, and I'm in charge of the watch department at Christie's based in Dubai for the Middle East. India, Africa, and Russia regions. Excellent. And the reason why I've got you on today's show, Remy, is to tell us all about the up-and-coming Christie's online auction in Dubai, which I believe is the first one of the year. It's the first auction this year in Dubai. We have two auctions a year. For the last uh, 10 years, we've uh, established and grown the market. And now it's really a a very interesting and strong offer year-on-year with a strong participation from all over the world. It's uh, it's also a benchmark on the on the online business of, of our field of auctioning uh, collectible timepieces. So what I wanted to focus on more than just going through the individual lots, because the full catalogue's not quite out yet, but will be out in time for the auction starting on the 24th. What I wanted to focus on really was Dubai and its centrality to the auction world, particularly for Christie's. So why has Dubai become so central to the world of auctions and online auctions in particular? What's the attraction? Why is it taken off there? Well, I've I've seen it with my own eyes. I mean, it's first it's a region where uh, watches uh, isn't the culture of of gifting, but as well having beautiful objects among you. Because historically, when everybody you uh, dress uh, in a uniform way, I mean, with the traditional uh, white dress that this Dasha, you cannot. Um, differentiate yourself from each other by the way you're dressing so of course all those accessories have been in uh, the gtc in the in the arab culture uh, something that has been there anchored from the uh, from the 80s i have to say um, then dubai is a multicultural place as you might know over 80 85 percent of the populated population is expatriates it's also the, uh, the the first international hub for passenger so it's a very very cosmopolitan city and you can say that the whole world is reflecting in Dubai in terms of trans population and, and buying patterns. Uh, in terms of auction, because it is central in terms of time zone, an auction happening in Dubai in an afternoon is uh, technically open to the time zones of uh, the extreme East Asia up to the East Coast of the USA. So it's one of the largest uh, time zones for operating an auction, which also 
is a, a winning factor for our business model. So explain to me how a catalogue like this is put together. When would watches that are appearing in this catalogue have first come onto your radar? Would it have taken several years to get to this point or would these watches start to appear almost immediately following the end of last year's auction season? What are the kind of timescales involved? I think it's all of a continuity of relationships we've been building here in the Middle East. Uh, Christie's has had operations now for 20 years with the physical office and auctions for the last 20 years, watches for the last 10 years, and uh, having a full department here with myself, uh, Bob Shu and uh, Nitin Nair, uh, we are three full-time specialists and that have cultivated not only regional but international relationship with both um, collectors, aficionados, but as well the trade and, and, and the people from all over the world know that Dubai is a, a bit of a different offering from what the industry is doing in Hong Kong or what they are doing in, in, in Geneva in New York. Uh, over the years, it has defined its own um, quality and standard uh, and offering. I mean, we're coming from uh, a place where you, we used to have, I like to say, some of the most glamorous physical auction of what we call live auction, where people used to get dressed with bow tie and, and copy, coming with the cocktail dress and uh, uh, COVID changed all of this. Uh, the fact that Dubai in the region is one of the most tech advanced uh, within the generation 20 to 50 years old, it was natural for Christie to evolve with a full uh, online business model. We got rid of, of printing catalogs a while ago, and it worked. I mean, we, we now consistently deliver uh, $10, 15000000 million uh, auctions online, purely without a room, but a totally different model of, of preview. And this preview is uh, is for people to come, see, try the watches. We also fly the watches internationally, sometimes in Asia, sometimes in Europe. And the offering here that we have is really a multitude of um, origins. It could be uh, from Singapore, Geneva, uh, uh, Portugal, but as well Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, and uh, or Canada. I mean, you would be really surprised that people that today buy and sell in Dubai they are not necessarily from the Middle East. It's just that they have a relationship with uh, the team and I and Christie's in general. I mean, you can also uh, decide to drop a watch in the London office. And of course, Christie's uh, services and logistics will make sure that this watch will be shipped properly, imported properly within Dubai so that it can be part of the auction. So we're all used to seeing auction rooms on YouTube, covered in the media, even covered on main news when records are broken and great watches and great pieces of art and other things are sold throughout the world but your specific focus is the online auction of watches what can you tell us about the differences and the subtleties of online auctions versus what we view as the traditional auction where everyone's in the room with a paddle and there's people on the phones well here i'll, I'll speak on behalf of, of our business model which is online auctions which is a, a bit different from what we do on a live auction. Here, you have uh, one week to discover the auction, and then you have an open to bidding that lasts for about 10 days. So technically, uh, just like when you receive a catalog uh, a month or three weeks before the auction, you can browse, you can ask your questions. And today with the technology, if, uh, if people want to have detailed images and even we have time to pull in the binocular, show that the screw of this movement is really untouched and distant. So people can really ask for all those, those details. They have over 10 days to engage with the specialist to really uh, have a complete idea. If they want to watch photograph under sunlight or under a white light, it's possible. So really have uh, uh, the flexibility, the comfort to really answer the the questions from people that could be anywhere in the world. And then Dubai, as a, as a city, as a brand, I like to say, associated with Christie's, is also a lot of safety because people know that they will have a friend that will come to Dubai to pick it up. They will come there and justify a holiday as well to, to come and visit this part of the world. But as well, I mean, from Dubai, we ship all over the world with the same shippers. Uh, internationally, it's always extremely secure as a transaction. And, and people are... are, are I think engaging much more comfortably since COVID into those online uh, activities. I was the most surprised that uh, through COVID, our business has uh, doubled, uh, not only in figures, but in terms of participants. Now you have around 1,000 people that bid uh, uh, 
constantly on on the Dubai auctions. But the number of co- country as well has grown from 40 to over 50. And suddenly I realized that, oh, wow, in this auction, we have three clients from Finland and another five from uh, New Zealand. I never, I never had a client in New Zealand for the last 10 years. So I think it really has broadened the panorama of, of the spectrum of, of clients that in the past really didn't tra- travel for the physical auctions. And, and the online auction is giving another, another opportunity for them to acquire uh, collectible timepieces. You talked about how you get requests from people for very specific things. What more can you tell us about what people ask for and what they're concerned about when it comes to an online auction where presumably people are located all over the world versus an in-the-room auction where people will be able to come along, touch and feel the watches in the auction venue itself? Oh, I think... You know, in our field, collectors want to make sure about the acquisition. There's nothing worse than buyer's remorse. So I think the online option is also a very fair bet because you also somehow uh, maintain a, a level of uh, of hype and uh, uh, energy that is... I mean, people are really happy of each and every acquisition they do. And you don't have a world record most of the time in an online auction. It's... Uh, it's really contained, yet we sell over the market price. An online auction is here, the average price of the auction is going to be seventy-five dollars to $90,000. It's pretty high per watch in, uh, for an auction. Uh, in comparison, if you look at, uh, at other auctions historically, a watch auction is about $50,000. Here, this is really the, the, the premium up, upper basket. Why? Because we have a very concise offering. We have 130 watches. Technically, it's going to be two hours and a half to three hours of online bidding. So uh, it's not going to take half a day or full journey to really perform in the auction. I think by dedicating only two to three hours of research, a couple of phone calls of WhatsApp with the specialist, people are able to build, and this is how they, they operate, uh, most of the clients that are now used to transact online, they build a wish list of five to 10 watches. And as the auction goes and as the price uh, increase and bidding increase, people narrow down their their choice, uh, they have more time as well to make the decision to say, okay, in this option, I'm going to focus on these two pieces because this is really what I want. And you're not like uh, in a situation where sometimes you're in a room, you have two or three seconds to take the decision. It's a bit more mature in terms of decision. You can really uh, take it easy because the auction is happening in front of you for a number of days. Uh, and that discussion uh, starts maybe from... Uh, uh, a couple of Pateks, Rolex, and maybe two independent. And suddenly, there's a discussion that will happen for the last two to three days because the price has gone over the roof for Patek and it's already uh, way over, over market. And we are also here to tell people, wait, I mean, there's another auction in a week in Geneva and then another three weeks in Hong Kong. So we have multiple auctions over the year. And this is also a conversation that doesn't stop in Dubai, but continues for the rest of the world. Of, of the global auction calendar at Christie's. And those discussions then, to, to, to come back to your question, feed back into the next auction happening in the winter or, or an auction happening next year. And, and those conversations go into curation. Why do you collect? The philosophy of collecting. Where do you want to go? And some, and some people are just with a very clear roadmap. Some people are really clueless and realize that, oh, yeah, now you're asking me the right question. Nobody asked me those questions. Why I do like to own this and that? And Sometimes people have what we call a collector's crisis and they decide to really make a U-turn and say, oh, I'm going to get rid of 50 pieces and buy just three, four. And that's also uh, those kind of discussions that happen behind the scene of the auction world. It's, it's people totally redefining their roadmap and their priorities and realizing that owning over 200 watches is a complete, uh, I mean, you need to have a team behind, you need to maintain, you need to store, you need to, it's it's a physical asset treasure management uh, tools that you need to implement into your home. You know, it's some people uh, uh, accumulate and realize that they lose so many parts and accessories of the watch. It also affects the value. So we're also here to alert on to what does it mean to collect for future uh 
for the future for, for the future i mean it's it's maintaining the watches respecting the watches and the product environment making sure they are kept properly also making sure they're insured because and now the debate with the new product uh, that is going to be launched by Audemars Piguet is, is clearly on the table so many people have all of these watches and have never had an idea about insuring their assets we understand the, the conversation is way beyond the the auction week yeah absolutely now just to come to the auction itself there are a couple of pieces that i i want to chat about but in the round because what i've observed from the catalog this year is we're starting to see independence and other brands taking a step up beyond where they've been before we've got the usual the pateks the rolexes etc etc the cartes but for example, in this year's catalogue, there's certainly a couple of Parmigianis. There's De Bethune represented. Are you seeing that as part of the journey that you've just discussed, that people are saying, wait a minute, why have I got 14 Rolexes? I could actually just move them on and get one De Bethune or one Richard Mille or Parmigiani, and that would scratch the itch. Are you seeing a rise of the independence? Definitely, there's been a rise in the independent. I think Southeast Asia and the Middle East is one of the driving markets as well for some of the independents. Uh, because of the differentiation factor I was telling you about, uh, those cities here in the region, as well as in uh, Singapore, for example, is a place where the watch community is, is wearing their watches very safe. And uh, um, all of those collectors gathering also is is a way a meeting point where you want to be different from your neighbor from your neighbor at those meetings so yes there is a rise of independent but within the independent there is a rise of brands that we didn't see in the past in conversations and i think it's also part of all the long run education not only from the brands and the retailers and the auction houses but as well from all those uh, readings available online and podcast and uh, uh, independent uh, journalism that that is constantly writing about the industry. Only Watch is also an amazing platform where uh, people are able to discover that there is uh, something else beyond the top twenty of what's always on the headline. And yes, in Dubai we have this time a, a great offering of uh, Richard Mille uh, and the Bethune and Parmigiani, but these offerings come to us and it's 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 a discussion that we have with the collector it's a collection we have in the, with the team is it the right time to offer a, a, a parmigiani i think so because when you look at the consistency and the quality they have nothing to envy from the other top brands in the market it's uh, it's time to also uh, go uh, a bit broader broader the angle and uh, uh, it's already been years that is the time of FP Jaune, and we have this year as well a dedicated FP Jaune auction in Geneva uh, at Christie's. Well, uh, I, I'm i a firm believer that there will be a great differentiator factor in the future where you will have the mainstream auctions with uh, what everybody wants, and then you will have those uh, mini sections or segments for, for what we call super vintage and for what we will call in the future maybe super independent. And then you will have the rising stars. It's really an auction offering is a reflection of what people have in their safe because they have to give it to us for the auction but also what what how much we are confident that we can find a buyer or a multitude of buyer for it to perform at auction excellent well thank you remy for joining us all the best on the online auction is there one piece that's coming up that you would like to highlight I think uh, there is multitude of pieces you know being in this world <laughs> it's really difficult to choose one lover what one would you buy yourself? What, what, what are you going to bid for? No, we can't bid in our own auction. That, uh, that's, a, that's a clear and very strong rule at Christie's. But I invite everybody to look at the catalog online and, and make sure you reach to a specialist. My, my, one of my stronger advice over the years is make sure you connect and speak with people. Don't uh, hide yourself and try to bid last minute without having the condition report, without making sure you've seen all the pictures on all the angles of the watch so that you are satisfied with each and every person because you dedicate time to it, make sure you do it properly. That's that's my best advice. Yeah, I think it is worth stating that it is okay to get in touch. You know, reaching out to an auction house to ask questions is exactly what the auction house wants you to do. It wants you to be in touch. It wants you to develop the relationship. So yeah, you should very much uh, reach out with questions. 
but just as well to get an answer to uh, to get an answer to all of these questions is is the minimum that you can ask because reading properly a catalog if you're a first time transactor you can make mistakes you can be uh, 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 driven by emotion you can and then you have to remember that there's a buyer's premium there is a shipping fee if you don't collect it on site so you have to understand the that uh, there is a, an accumulated price for that service of premium plus shipping plus insurance depending on when you collect it so that there is no surprise at the end i mean it's a, uh, most of the time it's an important purchase and it's, it needs to be addressed with the proper respect and and, and time and communication with the with, within this, this field. excellent well thank you Ray, for joining us where can people find you on the internet do you skulk around on instagram somewhere sure Instagram and, and, and Christie's.com and uh, our application, uh, Christie's app. And do you have your own Instagram account that people can see the watches that you're into? Yes, sure. Remy Julia, watch specialist. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's available on Instagram. Give, give Remy a direct follow and see the watches that he's into. Thank you for joining us, Remy. Have a great auction season. Great. Thank you very much. Well, I do hope you enjoyed our box of delights this week. If you would like to contribute anything to the Spending Time channel, if you think you've got an idea or you think you've got someone you would like to interview or you think we should be interviewing you, then get in touch. Podcasts at ablogtowatch.com. Keep an eye out for all the audio-visual treats that a blog to watch have to offer from everything on the website at ablogtowatch.com to the various podcasts we have. We have the Superlative Podcast with Ariel that normally runs on a Monday. And on a Thursday, you have a blog to watch weekly with myself, David and Ariel. And keep an eye out on the Spending Time channel for anything that just happens to drop that might be of interest to you. Have a great rest of week. Speak to you again soon. Goodbye.